Hi, I'm Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. So today, Katina is sharing an article with us. What's your topic? My topic is on leaders' negative emotions and how they may have, under some circumstances, unintended or not unintended, but unexpected positive consequences. Oh, I have some theories about what kinds of emotions, but we'll talk about that when we get into the details. Yes, yes. And it's an interesting article because it takes place in the sports context. So the data is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, that is cool. Yes. Oh, sports. They don't (laughs) exist right now. I know. (laughs) Sports are over. Yeah. So um, as a refresher for those listening, this is airing in August. We're recording in May at this point. Um, Preparing for Allie, our producer, to have her little baby and be out on leave. So this is being recorded when we're at the point in time where um, some locations around the country are slowly opening things up, but a lot of us are still in quarantine, and that is why sports are not a thing at this point. <laughs> yes, they are not a thing. Um, yeah. It is sad because I see a lot of people who are, like, in quarantine, you know, like, they're obviously social distancing and everything like that, but, like, they're trying to play sports. Like, there's a man that goes and hits a tennis ball against a wall for, like, three hours every Saturday, and I just watch him, like stand there and hit a tennis ball against a wall. And then like another uh, like 12 year old boy in our neighborhood just like plays basketball by himself for like three hours a day. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow. oh. <laughs> these people are very bored. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we actually are. Tennis courts are under lock and key right now. Um, they took down the the uh, nets. That's I was like, what's the word nets for the volleyball we have like a sand volleyball court that's yeah. off and then they've also put like this weird like board over the basketball hoop so that you can't actually play basketball oh. um because they in la county they closed all parks i think actually technically some of them are supposed to have opened this sunday this past sunday but i have not like gone and ventured out but our basketball hoop is still closed basically so all the stuff in our complex is closed and i'm sure the other parks are slowly reopening but yeah you couldn't even do that if you're a kid you could just like run around the court dribbling but you can't shoot (laughs) well we have like one so all our playgrounds and stuff are closed this guy just uses like literally like the wall the side of a building like he stands in a parking lot and hits a tennis ball against a wall um but the the kid is using like a um uh it's at the end of our cul-de-sac so i don't know oh so it's somebody's yeah yeah but i don't know if but parks here are not closed i don't think but the playgrounds on the parks are Mm -hmm. so i don't know i don't really frequent parks actually that much so i don't know what's going on in the parks i just walk around my neighborhood and that's it Yeah, I only noticed it because from our apartment to walk to, like, the path that I usually walk, I walk right past the basketball courts that belong to the building. Um, and that's when I saw it. I was like, Danny's like, we could play basketball still. And I was like, mm, nope, there's a wooden board <laughs> blocking the hoop. So that's not so going to no. happen. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Fun. I don't know how that would work. I mean, I guess we could see who can bounce it the highest from the, the top of the hoop. But... <laughs> 
<laughs> that's a new sport it's yeah. being invented in quarantine <laughs> wood ball yeah, i know it's it's funny but i don't know it'll be interesting to see like how people come back to sports when that's yes. a possibility I know it's crazy, and like all the people that the Olympics got can't like canceled. Oh, like, I know. Oh my gosh, I haven't followed up on it. I have to look it up because I was thinking like, if you have to qualify for the Olympics again, oh, that I is, hope that, that would be that. terrible. That would be the worst. Like, yeah, you go your whole life, and because my um, one of my roommates from college was in the Olympics, and so I just like just know from her like the intense amount of insane effort it takes to get to the point that you can try to qualify for the Olympics and then how much pressure it is during the time that you're, you know, actually competing to qualify that right. like when you qualify, like you don't want to have to go back and do that again. <laughs> I imagine they won't do that. Like that would be so mean. It would be horrible. That would be so mean. I feel like they're just going to let people that qualify do it. But I yeah. also wonder, I can't tell if, when this is all over and the Olympics actually happen, like, are people going to like break crazy records because they had nothing else to do but train? Or <laughs> are they going to be like incapable of training as well because they can't use facilities or have coaches or whatever? And then actually it's going to be like the most like sad Olympics where there's like no <laughs> records broken. Everyone just shows up and they're like eating cookies and they have like no <laughs> trainer and they're like, I'll try. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't, I can't tell which way it'll go. No, I don't, I don't know either. And I bet, I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, I guess it, it'll probably depend a lot more on money too. Like I bet if you have like a lot of money to dedicate towards your training, you can pay for like just open this facility for me kind of thing you know mm -hmm. what i mean like yeah good point i wonder if that is going to play a role crazy yeah crazy but then things. like that's that's for the individual stuff but like the team sports like oh they're yeah, not no, practicing that, yeah, together no definitely not no that's a whole other thing whenever i think of the olympics i like only think of gymnastics and <laughs> ice skating because that's like the only things that i like ever watch is gymnastics and ice skating yeah that i is, feel like, like is they the may whole olympics to me yeah they may have more flexibility to continue to train yeah um but like the basketball team can't like play together i mean clearly the hoops are all blocked <laughs> <laughs> how can they when there's wood on the hoop <laughs> there's no way <laughs> never get that wood off that hoop <laughs> oh boy yeah so we'll see but it is i mean i know my brother's like dying because like baseball is his favorite thing yeah. in the world and with like baseball not happening he's just like oh my god what do i do with my life like he mm -hmm. seriously like doesn't know what to do without baseball that's danny's favorite too like he's yeah. watching um so south korean baseball baseball just started yes he's been watching that <laughs> yes no i know um some uh friends of mine were saying that um their husbands were watching ukrainian table tennis now <laughs> so random i know so random and they like know all the players and they're like betting on the games and stuff and like like wow that's, that's like i bet ukrainian table tennis will never see a heyday like this again because yeah i have a feeling you're right oh yeah. my goodness that's so funny that's so yes. funny it's like the only sport that like still lives at the current time yeah um 
Well, on that note, those coaches coming back hopefully won't have negative emotions, or maybe, <laughs> hopefully, maybe they, they will. Should. <laughs> um, okay, good idea. Good job. Okay, so <laughs> this paper is called Leadership in the Locker Room How the Intensity of Leaders' Unpleasant Affective Displays Shapes Team Performance. And it is by Staw, DeSellis, and Degoe. And it was published in the Journal of Applied Psychology in 2019. And it is also a research report, which I know last episode you did a research report and I'm doing research report too, which basically means it's just like a short-ish, a shorter article um, than a normal normal article. I can't say that. (laughs) Yes. Well, those research reports are always uh, fun to read for me because they're shorter and get to the point quicker. Yes. Um, So I always appreciate them. So tell me, tell me all the things about it. Okay. So basically what this article says, and the reason I was attracted to it is because we've talked a lot about the value of positive emotions in like motivating people and making people feel inspired at work and how negative emotions and displaying negative emotions often have bad consequences in the workplace. And so I thought for the purposes of balance, we might talk about a slightly different perspective. Um, Full disclosure, the outcome variable in this study is performance. So it's not a wellness related outcome. But it is something that you think of as being related to wellness, right? Like, so when people are feeling better and they're happier, they're more productive. So we've talked about that before. So I think that this is sort of an interesting, like, additional piece to a puzzle of other things that we've talked about with regard to um, how people's positive or negative emotions might play a role in how they feel and then how they subsequently perform at work. So a lot of the research on negative emotions in the workplace, particularly as displayed by leaders, discusses how leader negative emotions are demotivating and don't help um, individuals to do better on the job. So broadly, the literature thinks about negative emotions as being a hindrance to teams' performance as well as individuals' motivation and job attitudes. Um, However, there's some smaller group of evidence that shows that people sort of speak about Leaders who are known for having demonstrated more regularly unpleasant emotions as being thought of as really um, like, even though they might be really strict and they might show negative emotions when folks aren't doing well, that it actually motivates people to do better because they respect that person and they feel that their emotions are necessary to get people to achieve the difficult goal that they're trying to achieve. Um, So that's why they're focusing in this paper on basketball players, because uh, there have been basketball coaches who have been known for being more critical of players, but also are known at the same time as being one of the best coaches and their players like love them and they want to work hard for them and things like that. So things like throwing chairs and yelling (laughs) at people. Well, Um. that is not (laughs) condoned in this piece. So I'll I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, So The question is, in this article, when are negative... So it seems like, for the most part, we think negative emotions from leaders are are not great. But there's some, like, anecdotal evidence that sometimes people think they're okay. And so the question is, when do negative emotions actually potentially have a positive impact? Um, And so what they did was they built on this model... uh, from Gettys and Callister, which I remember this paper, reading this dual threshold model of anger uh, when we were in Alicia Grandy's emotions class. I remember reading this paper and I (laughs) built my 
research paper for the semester around this model, which um, actually I still have the same question about this model that I did when I was in Alicia's class, which I'll come back to. Um, <laughs> but the dual threshold model of anger basically says that um, there are ways that you can show negative emotions that actually don't break with norms and instead help to show people where there's a problem and productively point people in the direction of like, there's an issue, but you know, it's not over the top or distracting to the point that like you become focused on the display of the negative emotion as opposed to the, the actual issue itself. Um, when you cross the line of the display of anger in their model, but they're talking about it more broadly with regard to just like negative emotions. When you cross the line where like, whoa, this display is actually breaking with norms. This is kind of an out of line display of unpleasant emotion. People's attention gets directed towards the display of emotion and away from the task that they're trying to achieve. So the dual threshold model basically says that there is an appropriate amount of anger in their case. In this paper, they're talking about negative emotion more broadly. There's an appropriate amount of negative emotion that people can display that actually helps people to recognize that there's an issue and be able to like understand where to put their effort towards in order to make their performance better. And there's also an over the line level of um, negative emotion that would then become distracting from the task at hand. And they also argue that if you, if there's a problem and you show no negative emotion, that gives the signal that like everything's fine. And so that also should have negative impacts on performance because they're not, you're not directing them to any problem basically. Okay. That makes sense. So it's basically, I'm just thinking about basketball since you talked about that. And that's what this paper is like, if I'm understanding this correctly, then if I'm a coach and my team is just not rebounding what is happening and then I yell at them like why aren't you rebounding why aren't you getting that ball blah, blah, blah. I don't know whatever basketball yes. coaches yell um, <laughs> yes. just like that, that that is okay we should we need to focus on rebounding what is wrong with us we got to fix this we got to fix this mm -hmm. right but if I throw a chair at you because you didn't rebound then everyone's like whoa she is not okay she right. has problems she's yes. dealing with something else this this anger is clearly too much what is happening here we are not thinking about rebounding anymore we're thinking about the chair yes and then exactly. on the other side if I say oh good try good job and just move on then no one's thinking about rebounding either exactly yes that's perfect so at very low levels of negative emotion if there's a problem and you're just like great job keep going nobody realizes that there's a problem that they need to pay attention to at really high levels. You become the problem basically. Um, <laughs> that chair so, is a problem. Yes, exactly. So like there is a problem, but you're like out probleming the problem. So now everybody's just like, well, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do because that was crazy. And that's all they're thinking about. Whereas if you can direct people to the problem with a little bit of negative emotion, but you not go over the top, it actually helps teams to realize like, Oh, if we want to win this game or we want to achieve this goal, I should probably try to put more effort towards this specific thing. That makes sense to me. Yes. So here's how they did this study. And I just think that their methods are cool. So that's why I'm going to talk about it. So um, they contacted tons of um, basketball coaches, um, athletic directors of colleges and high schools within driving distance of University of California, Berkeley. 
Um, so it was in California. And California. they um, they basically were able to uh, get about 20 or so um, coaches to agree to participate or athletic directors agree to participate. And they had research assistants at 304 basketball games that were played during a single season on those 20-something teams. Um, and they basically had the research assistant coach record the coaches halftime talks along with other game time records with the team um and they uh basically um you know recorded the entire halftime talk um they had male and female teams roughly equally represented although the coaches were predominantly male which i do think is interesting um mm. And uh, they had kind of a breakdown. Uh, most of them were either um, high school or junior college level, and a couple were four-year colleges. Um, and so they recorded these things. Um, the halftime talks were about six minutes long a piece. So um, they have, you know, a decent chunk of text. Um, and then they gathered all the game scores from the newspaper, um, both at the start, the halftime, and the end of the game. Um, and... Basically, what they ended up doing was they had people code the, um, so basically go back and um, assign emotions to the halftime speeches um, using a bunch of different emotion words. So they trained people on these emotion words and how to indicate these emotion words. And then they had this separate set of research assistants code um, the uh, halftime speeches for these emotions. And so the emotions that they looked at were unpleasantness and pleasantness so things like this person seems angry or unhappy or irritated or upset or annoyed or frustrated or dissatisfied um or distressed or disappointed or worried and things like this person seems glad or satisfied or pleased or excited or enthusiastic or um peppy or alert basically so they created this like unpleasantness they had people code for all these unpleasant emotions and all these pleasant emotions and then they created a scale of basically how unpleasantly coded was this halftime, um, this halftime speech and how pleasantly coded was this halftime speech. Um, and then they went and looked at what happened. So does okay. that all make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. So it's just a lot of coding of speeches using actual coaches in actual game time situations. Um, so that's really cool. I like that. Yeah. It's like very, very specific um, and a very unique sample where we've got actual information that people are doing. Because I think a lot of times when we look at emotions and leaders, we're often looking at, you know, vignettes. So where people read yes. a story about something that happened and we'll rate, rate what happened. But here we're actually talking about real situations, real emotions that are expressed during speeches. Yes. Yeah. So they controlled for a couple things just for any like sports fans that are out there like, but wait, what about like how good the team is or whatever? Um, they controlled for the win-loss record of the team and the team's opponent prior to um, uh, conducting any analyses. And um, they used as their, um, as their, uh, as another control variable, the first half performance um as relative as the difference between the focal and opponent team scores at halftime. So basically what they wanted to look at was to make sure that it wasn't team performance in the first half that was predicting how the coaches displayed um, affect at halftime and the final team performance. 
So they controlled for how well they were doing in the first half, basically. Okay. That um, makes sense. Yeah. And then the dependent variable was actually, or like what they were trying to predict was the difference in the points scored between the teams during the second half of the game. So they weren't just using like, did they win or did they lose? They were like, who scored more points? Because uh, okay. that gives you a little bit more variability and it's not just like win or lose, which seemed like too crude of a measure of like what was actually going on. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, cool. So basically what they found is what I said. So um, when the um, halftime speeches were coded with very low negative emotion, um, they actually did not have um, a positive impact on performance. And when they were coded with very pleasant emotions, that was negatively associated with performance. So if the halftime speech was just like, you're doing great, you're doing wonderfully, everything's awesome, whatever, they actually ended up doing worse in the second half. Um, when they showed some unpleasantness, that was more positively related to team performance. But when the unpleasantness was pretty low, it didn't have a strong impact on performance. And when the unpleasantness was really high, it actually started to change that positive impact. So it was like a U-shape relationship where when it went over a certain point of being super negative, now performance started to go back down again. So mm -hmm. this sort of moderate amount of negative uh, emotion seemed to be the most or the best way to get teams sort of focused on what they needed to do to win the next half of the game and then subsequently had made them score more points. That's super interesting. I am curious a little bit around what they think in terms of a more corporate setting or a business mm -hmm. setting because I mean I know that um you know sports definitely a business there too but if I showed positive emotions would it be so bad would it actually hurt my performance if I mm -hmm. was in the workplace and like let's say we were doing decently well right I don't think that that's necessarily negative in a more typical work environment right but I do I do think it's really interesting that some negative emotion can be positive, And I do think that probably does translate to other settings too. Yeah. Like I was thinking about it, like, cause also sports is weird because it's like a very tight time frame that you have to sort of like achieve your goal. Right. Like you're, com and you're competing directly against another person. But I was thinking about it, like, let's say you work for like an ad agency or something and you're pitching uh, something and you know, another company is also pitching um, for business and you have like a break in the middle of your pitch. And instead of saying to the person like, you're doing so great, this is going awesome. If there are actually some things that they might improve upon or focus on, it might be better for you to be like, you know, you're doing well, but here's what we need to think about. Like, maybe we could do this. Maybe we could do that. Like, you need to like make sure that you're, you know, like not just showing like everything's going awesome, but rather like I'm a little bit worried about that. I'm a little bit like I'm feeling not as great about this part of it. Like the second half of it, we should go in and do this. Like when you're like strategizing around a meeting or something like that, if you're more inclined to just be like everything's going great, maybe you miss opportunities to improve um, on the mm -hmm. flip side that then actually would. I was thinking about like, does it counter then the negative feelings that you might otherwise have? Like you don't see it as like, oh, they they were just being like unhappy or picky or whatever, disappointed or worried about something for no reason. Like if you actually then go on and win, 
you're like, oh, well, then I guess we needed that, <laughs> you know? So like, yeah. I think that's part of it too, is like, what's the long-term consequence it has something to do with the fact that like, oh, well, we were also more likely to win because that happened. So like, there may be some like cyclical thing happening. I think that's a really good example because, you know, I'm thinking about like my work environment where things are not necessarily, depends on the situation, but in the long run, like majority of my work is not so short in time frame Mm -hmm. so it's not like I have a to quickly adapt something and I feel like if you know my boss was upset about something or you know commented in a more negative way I mean I think constructive feedback is is very different but like just you know showing any some anger or stuff like that I think it would be harder for me to go back into that task because it's not something I have to do right now necessarily right it's not always Mm -hmm. usually it's not tight tight turnarounds but I really like that meeting example because I think it is very relevant there I'm thinking about sales meetings like so often travel when we're able to travel um, I would travel with sales teams uh, trying to sell the product at Infor and when we're in those meetings you know there's they're usually pretty long and there's usually a break sometime in the middle and then we do regroup and the sales folks are really good at that exact thing where usually there's a senior salesperson that's in the involved um, in the meeting and then they the junior person might be leading parts of it and stuff and they'll talk about what's going on and they will often share the things that they're concerned about like I'm worried about this I think this is a problem I think this is going to be why we're not going to get the sale if we do if we don't address this so like they really do talk about the negative stuff mm-hmm. um, even if I'm sitting in there I'm like wow this meeting seems like it's going well I go out to that I'm like oh Okay. But yeah. they're also salespeople and they see very often what loses their sales. So I mm-hmm. think that that kind of a example is really, really poignant because it's very, it is very similar. Like you have to turn around that meeting or you have to address the things that you're concerned about or you think the client's going to be concerned about because if you don't, you may not have a second meeting. Right. So you right. have to do it quickly and you have to be clear quickly what the problem is um so I think you're right I think if the senior salesperson would always step aside during these breaks and be like oh great job then right unless that's true then the person's not gonna shift and address the issues that may have come up in the first meeting so now that we've learned more here's some things that we can address right yeah and I think like like if then they do get that second meeting then they're like oh well that was good that we had that that like we didn't all just say like that was great because that actually benefited us. So I think it's different than a lot of other, like I think this study and these examples are different than a lot of other studies that we've talked about in terms of displaying negative emotion, which is more just generally like being negative in social situations. Like if you're displaying negative affect or you're like being like abusive to people or like if they see the same coach in the hallway and the coach is like miserable and doesn't want to like, you know, engage with them and they're always like, picking on them for things that don't matter, that seems like it might potentially be different than like Mm -hmm. demonstrating emotions in a game situation where they're actually using it to direct people's attention to what they need to do to win. And like the study shows that it's actually effective at doing that. So teams are like, well, yeah, I mean, this person's a little tough on us, but at the same time it works. And as long as I'm guessing, they don't have this to test in the study, but I would guess that this person's not like uniformly unpleasant towards people, right? Um, in that instance, it seems like, okay, well, if that's the case, then maybe it's maybe there is a use for negative emotions, basically. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Like it really, that example that you gave is perfect. That that really hit it home for me because I can just think about those sales meetings and it is very specific types of situations and probably people have them here and there on the job and it's not like a constant very often, right? If you're a team and you're playing, you know, if you're in the NBA and you're playing team basketball teams constantly, like that's very different, right? You're going right. to see this a lot, but in a, in a more typical work setting, it's probably not a day-to-day situation where you're going to see these negative emotions coming up. Mm-hmm. But when you're in a setting where you need to adapt quickly, where the feed quick feedback and the, that you can get from negative emotions is important. Um, and this makes a lot of sense. Like I totally see it. And, you know, maybe sales is a great place where that happens. Um, and I think there's probably other examples that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head, but you know, maybe a client meeting where, the client is potentially leaving, right? That's another right. one. Yeah. Uh, so anything where there's like something really major at risk at the end of that situation, then it makes a lot of sense that these negative emotions have a strong meaning to what's going to happen the rest of the meeting. Yeah. I mean, I think I, yeah, I think so too. I mean, anytime that you have an opportunity to give, um, to like give feedback to somebody partway through, it seems like it might hold up. Um, and it's different than just like being generally unpleasant, right? It's like, it's like a reasonable reason to be showing more negative emotions than just like, okay, everything's great. You're doing a great job. But then like we miss on an opportunity to improve. Um, I would say one other thing to add that's probably important is that they replicated this study in a lab study. Um, so one of the things that I'm guessing the, um, people that reviewed this paper wanted them to do was make sure that it wasn't just like, okay, well, um, you know, I read this speech and I um, feel really negatively because the person's really negative and now I just feel really negatively. And so the negative emotion is tanking my performance or um, I feel less confident. So the comp- my confidence is crashing. So I perform less well. They wanted them to check and make sure that it's actually like that it doesn't serve to direct your attention properly. So what they found, like controlling for all this other stuff, like, do I just think my leader's no good if they're overly negative? Do I think they have like bad goals? Do I feel like this job is too hard? Do I feel like I don't have confidence in myself? Am I just catching their negative emotion? They controlled for all this other stuff in a lab study. They used one of the speeches from the coaches. um, They used three of the speeches from one of the coaches that they sampled. One that was rated as low in negative affect, one that was rated as moderate, and one that was rated as high. And they put people in different conditions and had them read that. And what they found was that this like effect actually occurs through what we've been talking about, which is redirection. Um, The idea that you understand that you need to change your approach, you need to redirect your attention to something else, and it helps you to understand that you need to do something a little bit differently. So the idea is that the explanation for it after ruling out all these other things is what, you know, we had initially discussed that this negative emotion helps you to understand that you need to do something differently, that what you're doing, the status quo is maybe not going to be good enough to get it over the finish line. And that's what the negative emotion is communicating to you. And through that, you like increase your effort and your performance ends up going up. That makes sense. So just follow up to make sure that that's the reason. So I like that. So we know that that moderate amount of negative emotion in a time sensitive, high pressure type of situation seems to have an impact on performance overall. And so 
from a wellness perspective, I'd love to get your thoughts since this wasn't, I mean, emotions have a lot to do with wellness, yeah. that, but I would love to know your thoughts as to what you're thinking when you're reading this article as to how that can connect. Yeah. So I was thinking, cause we've talked a lot about emotions before and I was just thinking like, I think that the reason I wanted to bring up this article is because maybe people will see some of the findings. Sometimes articles about sports get picked up by the popular press more frequently. Um, so I was thinking about like, what would someone say if they had listened to our other podcast episodes about how positive emotions are good and negative emotions are generally not good. And then they see this research come out and say, well, yeah, but negative emotions are good for performance. I think what I would say is that this context is specific in the sense that the negative emotions are serving a purpose that everyone can sort of view or see or might be more likely to see as important. Whereas a lot of the other studies where we've talked about the negative emotions are more for the purpose of making others feel negatively, or even if they're not intended to do that, are in more social situations where it's like decreasing the relationship quality. And so I think that negative emotions and the role that they play in this study maybe have a positive impact on performance. And maybe even, you know, if they measured it, a positive um, impact on job, on attitudes and things like that about um, being on the team, because they're serving this very specific purpose of pointing out something that's wrong for a ship in order for the team to achieve a shared goal. Mm -hmm. um, outside that context, I think that, you know, you'd be more likely to see negative emotions have a negative impact, which is what we see in a lot of other studies. So I wanted to just like bring this up because negative emotions may have positive outcomes in some, in some ways, but that doesn't also mean that like the takeaway from the study is like, oh, well, you should be moderately negative as a leader and people will like it better. I think it has to be very context specific in order for it to have these like positive impacts. And I think that if you put well-being in between these negative emotions and these outcomes, you'd probably see them go down under circumstances where it's unclear that the negative emotion is serving a specific like goal-related purpose. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense because as you were talking about the negative emotions when someone's very high on the negative emotions and they're no longer understanding what it is, right? What that message is. So there's with that U-shaped effect that you talked about where, you know, being really low on negative emotions doesn't help people figure out what they're doing wrong. Being very high is distracting because there's this really negative thing happening. So that probably is the more similar to mm -hmm. the type of research we typically talk about because this middle ground of negative emotions is more of a feedback loop yeah. than necessarily just negative emotions. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I would think. So that's kind of why I wanted to talk about it because even though they didn't measure something related to wellness directly, we know that leader emotions and the emotions leaders display impact followers emotions and then impact their well-being and their performance. Generally, we see the story going the other direction. Um, so I think the take home here is that maybe you wouldn't see as negative results as we normally talk about uh, stemming from negative affect if you use them in a very specific purposeful way. Um, but it's not like carte blanche to just start acting negatively. I don't think that that would be a good takeaway from the study at all. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Well, thank you for sharing this. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from all of you listeners as well. So please reach out with any questions or comments. You can email us at contact at workerbeing.com. You can also find us on social media at workerbeing. And you can find us on our website too, workerbeing.com. Thanks for listening. The Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabarek and Katina Sawyer and produced by Allie Johnson. Oh.